Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're joined by Mark Webster, a pharmacist and integrative health practitioner whose aha moment about the role of food and chronic conditions started him on his lifestyle medicine journey. In 2001, Mark founded Stay Well Pharmacy and in 2017, the Stay Well Clinic in Christchurch, New Zealand, because he wanted to be part of the small but growing trend of pharmacies dedicated to helping people stay healthy. After nearly 30 years as a registered pharmacist, Mark has accumulated many letters after his name, including a Master of Science in Health Sciences degree in Integrative Medicine from GW. His dedication to lifelong learning reflects his commitment to move healthcare and wellness forward. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Mark. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. We're so happy that you uh, got up early in the morning. Uh, For those who don't know, once again, Mark is coming to us from New Zealand. Yeah, it's um, just gone quarter past six in the morning. I've been up since quarter past five to get here. But that's right. I've had my coffee, so all is well. Good, good. So, Mark, how do you define lifestyle medicine? Wow. Uh, Lifestyle medicine, I guess, is 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 very broad um but i i look at uh the picture of health like a 37 piece jigsaw puzzle and uh you'll have your corner pieces when you're when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle there's only four of those and my my four i look at is um sleep hygiene stress and relaxation techniques movement and exercise therapies and diet and nutrition so Lifestyle medicine focuses on looking at all aspects of what you do, what you eat, what you take, but also what you think and what you spend your your time doing each day. So what made you want to transition beyond your role as a community pharmacist? So when I was in England in 1995, a lot of New Zealanders, we do an an OE or an overseas experience. We'll go overseas and have a look around. And so I went to England, and I used to be on the tube system a lot, the the underground railway, um, because I would travel to work and then also travel to my karate schools to train. So I spent a lot of time on the tube and did a lot of courses through the University of Manchester. They were very short courses. One of them I did was called Complementary Therapies. And in the synopsis at the beginning of the book, it said, look, you may not agree with any of these therapies that we list, but if you don't have a basic understanding of those, you'll alienate a growing population to the quack down the road that knows nothing about pharmacy. And I thought, well, that's a really reasonable proposition. So I started looking into that. And what was really interesting is way back then, chiropractory and osteopathy and acupuncture were all seen as complementary alternative medicines. Um, and of course, these days we know that you know those are the modern practice. In fact, now you have doctors of chiropractic over in the U.S. So I started looking at that, and I did another one on nutrition. And when I came back to New Zealand, I noticed that we had moved from trying to fix things to manage things. We managed diabetes, we managed cardiovascular health, we managed mental health. Nobody was looking at how we could stop and prevent. What we do is we wait for it to happen and then we do something about it. So we were practicing interventional medicine. 
So I started looking also at the pharmacies and I saw that they were just all stay sick pharmacies or, or get better pharmacies. And while I had been in England, I'd, I'd learned about um, these other therapies and I started to think about how can we look at preventative medicine and I started talking about staying well. Uh, a lot of places were doing wellness centers, but what is wellness? I mean, if you have a disease and it's in remission, are you well? If, if, you, if, you, get, if you are healthy, but actually underneath there's something going on that hasn't been diagnosed yet, does that mean you're well? And how, how can question. you... Yeah, how can you be well? Um, it was a, a real passive thing, whereas staying well was an active thing. It was a verb. It was a um, direction in which you and the practitioners around you can be working actively towards a, a goal in the future of reducing your chance of, con of contracting or starting a chronic disease. So I think I'm getting a bit of a feel of how you might work with your patients, and it sounds like you're working with them. Um, and how exactly do you do that, though? Let, let us get a glimpse into how you might work with a patient and how you might personalize what you're doing with them. Sure. So in New Zealand, community pharmacy is quite different to that in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., from my experience, many pharmacies are sort of a big supermarket at the front with a dispensary at the back. And I'm not completely aware of the, the laws regarding, you know, how much interaction you can have with the patient and the kind of things you can have. But in New Zealand, our interaction with patients is very, very um, intimate is perhaps the word I would use. And I'll often use a series of questions, talking to them about their medicines. But we talk about the pharmacist being the health professional you see most often. And certainly it's one of the few that you can see without having to pay. You can just walk in. You don't have to make an appointment. You can pop in and sit. This is within the community pharmacy setting. So I'm already seeing people with chronic disease, and there's an opportunity there to be talking with them about other interventions that they can be making. It might be a dietary thing. For instance, there are many, many uh, diseases that are uh, aggravated by the presence of casein from dairy product or gluten, from some of the grains. So I'll have an opportunity there. Then also there's the nutritional def uh, deficiencies that you'll get from different medications. So things like uh, antibiotics, cleaning out the microbiome, or uh, oral contraceptives, or metformin, clearing out B vitamins, uh, the, the statins and their effect on coenzyme Q10. So there's already some nutritional th interventions that you can make simply based on the prescription you've got in front of you. So that then allows me to look at somebody's needs, but I'll often find that these patients will come in and complain about this isn't working or I've been on this a long time or I'm taking too many pills. So there's been an ideal opportunity for myself as a pharmacist to say, well, you know, there are actually opportunities uh, with how we can, in consultation and cooperation with your medical practitioner to find solutions that are more personal to you. That's very informative. And I will say that your understanding of the states is, is definitely correct. Um, but it wasn't always that way. 
Um, when I grew up, my pharmacist was very much like what you're describing. It was a person who I knew in my community, and I knew I could just stop and talk to him. Um, and there seems like we've gotten away from that, and maybe now we need to to move the pendulum back in that direction. Uh, and you already alluded to some of the benefits of seeing someone like you. For instance, you don't have to make an appointment, and you don't have to, to pay just to talk with you. Um, are there any other benefits you, you'd like people to know about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> the benefit of coming to see somebody like me versus perhaps a, a naturopath, for instance. So the difficulty that we find is the majority of medical practitioners still are of the mindset that, A, all you need is a good diet. And seriously, if that was true, then why are all diseases actually getting more rampant and more severe? But also they would look at these quote-unquote alternative therapists as, as that. And um, they would then get the patient into a position where they'd say, either you deal with me or you deal with them. It's a bit like when I used to go home and ask my mother, what's for dinner? <laughs> Mum would say, well, beef stroganoff. And I'd say, well, what's the alternative? And she'd say, take it or leave it. <laughs> and and often often patients are put in that position uh, specific areas of medicine will say look you will not use any form of a supportive or, or alternative medicine um, oncology for instance um, they'll say you know unless you uh, must only take the chemo you must only use our treatment because we don't know what effect the other treatment's going to have you also have the mentality of that guy's a quack and often you may get that on both sides of uh, the fence. So the other practitioner may feel that the medical uh, practitioner is ill-informed and vice versa. With somebody like myself as an integrative health practitioner and as a pharmacist, I'm actually able to talk to both. So the naturopaths and herbalists and what have you have know that I have an understanding of what they do. And as a pharmacist, I can talk to a medical practitioner. I have an understanding about the medication. And that's actually a unique uh, USP, unique selling point, that uh, as a pharmacist, I have that that no other group or practitioner has. So I'm actually able to speak the language on both sides. I can look at your lab tests, which, again, the uh, naturopaths and others, they don't have access to that here in New Zealand. So really, I'm, I'm truly able to practice integrative medicine because not only can I do what I do, I can draw in the other practitioners and have dialogue between them and act as that traffic director. You know, I'm standing in the middle of the intersection, directing the traffic and bringing people in and finding ways of helping people leave their ego in their pocket and focus on what's going on for the patient and provide them with what's best for the patient. So not only have I got my own modality, not only have I got the ability to connect with others, I've also got the ability to look into what's been happening with the patient. When I do run uh, my clinic with my patient, I've actually taken that outside of my pharmacy. I used to have it in my pharmacy, but I found then that the hum and drum of the day would interrupt me. You know, my, my staff might say, well, look, he's not officially here, but he's between patients. Maybe I can go and disturb him and, and see him. Um, and that was great as a, as a drop-in, but it, 
it took away my ability to focus with my patient. So I started my own clinic at a, at a different locale. And I put a, a locum pharmacist, um, uh, you might call them, a, do you call those locums over there? Someone who, who stands in? Yeah, locum tenants. Okay. So I had my clinic on a Tuesday. And so I've also branded that the Stay Well Clinic. Um, I used to call myself a naturopathic pharmacist at one point until one client came to me and I, you know, I presented them with a dietary plan amongst everything else. And she said, well, now I need to go and see a clinical nutritionist because you're a naturopathic pharmacist. And I thought to myself, I've, I've just given you a dietary plan. But mm. clearly the branding was wrong. She was telling me, oh, you do pills of vitamins and, and pharmaceuticals. You don't mm. understand nutrition. So that's why I changed from being a naturopathic pharmacist to being an integrative health practitioner. Now, a lot of people will go, what the hell is that? And that's fair <laughs> enough too. But at least that starts the dialogue. At least they ask the question, oh, what's an integrative health practitioner? Rather than the making assumption of, oh, I think I know what a naturopathic pharmacist is. That's a great point. I think that's part of what has always appealed to me about integrative health is that you don't have to choose. You get the best of whatever aspects, right? So any world you can imagine in terms of health, wellness, and medicine, you can use that. Um, you just have to figure out how to communicate it. And sounds like that's what you've kind of worked out over the time is how do you signal to patients that you're here to help them in this broader capacity? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that part of that was my branding as well with, with stay well. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, my catchphrase is live well, stay well. Um, interestingly enough, the New Zealand um, ministry of health decided that they would, uh, create a branding and their branding was live well, stay well, get well. And I mm -hmm. spent quite a lot of money, um, for a while trying to tell them, Hey, I actually own the IP for the live well, stay well. Um, but they are the Ministry of Health, and at the end of the day, they have bottomless pits of money. So after about $30,000 of my money trying to send letters to them, I decided, no, this isn't worth it. I did point out to them that if you live well and stay well, you don't need to get well. <laughs> it's a good yeah. point. I thought that was unnecessary. <laughs> you, you could get well, live well, get well, stay well, um, but or get well, be well. But um, anyway. That was that was a discussion that I decided this. So now, so now I just go. You know what? They're advertising my brand as live well, stay well, and we'll just we'll we'll, we'll ignore the the get well at the end. There you go. So it sounds like New Zealand is accepting of what you do. Is is that the case? And if so, has that always been the case? Uh, and when you say New Zealand, so you're talking like um, people and people and power or other positions or are you talking general public or I, I guess all of those and probably in different buckets yeah um i would say that many of those buckets are still bucketing whatever is in those buckets down on me um <laughs> <laughs> and um no they in fact i would say the u.s and australia are miles ahead in terms of acceptance I'm definitely uh, one of the early adopters, and it really has been a case of kick the ball and drag Charlie. Uh, and event <laughs> eventually, you just get sick of, of um, dragging Charlie and you just kick Charlie. Um, interestingly enough, um, there was even a medical practitioner locally that used to tell his clients that 
I, what I was doing was quackery. And he was actually the major stimulus that caused me to enroll at GW and do the Masters of Health Science in Integrated Medicine. I figured that at least then I would have a university-based qualification from a prestigious university that would allow me to stick my hand up and actually say, you know what, I'm not just a pharmacist that's passionate about you know, nutrition. I've actually got a university-based qualification. So I always look for the silver lining in things. And despite the fact that he's still in my area and he's still carrying on the way he is, it's allowed me to transition into this new area and put me at the head of my game. So I've got um, many practitioners around the country who are trying to move into this space, but it's allowed me to be one of the movers and shakers in my country and lead the charge, but that comes at a price as well. So, mm. you know, if you're the early adopter, it's very hard to get, you know, a lot of morale from groups and you just have to be resilient and persistent and understand that everyone else is going to come along, but it's going to be quite some time. And I'm okay with that. I, I think probably when when I'm another 20 years along, I'll, I'll see that. And some of my heroes, uh, like Dr. Pam Smith from um, A4M, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, I've been a member of that group, uh, and that's what I started with uh, through the U.S., and that's actually what led me to finding GW when I met Dr. Andrew Heyman mm -hmm. at one of the A4M conferences, and we had a talk about the program. And I remember talking to some of those heroes from A4M and they are talking about their early life and the rhetoric and the hard time they used to get from their practitioner friends about, you know, they were dabbling in the dark side. But so New Zealand is, is, is still a long way off, but there's a, there's a real need. And, you know, we have a real ob obesity problem in New Zealand and yet there's no need for it. So we need to find new ways of, of moving forward and, uh, and helping people with a more holistic approach. Mark, it sounds like you're where um, Dr. John Pan, uh, who is our um, founding medical director for the Office of Integrative, and Medicine, um, Integrative Medicine and Health, it sounds like you're where he was when he created the GW Center for Integrative Medicine back in 19... 98 and wow. um i'm glad you have faith because it, because it will change yeah 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 i um look i'm <clears throat> i'm in touch with otago university i actually approached the auckland university to do the pharmacist prescriber course but they wrote back to me and told me that i wasn't qualified enough and so i thought right um okay <clears throat> So um, expletives went off in my mind, and I thought, okay, I will, I, I will move in a in a different a different way. So I reached out to GW to see if there is um, something there that I can do with them, and uh, going through the the motions at the moment about looking at that, and then the the view is then that perhaps you know wouldn't it be amazing if I could be part of starting an integrative medicine qualification here in New Zealand through one of the universities. 
And, uh, you know, in, in New Zealand, uh, pharmacy is going through a real tumultuous time. We have the discounting pharmacies that have arrived. There's an Australian one called Chemist Warehouse. And we have another one that's just down the road from me called Bargain Chemist. And they remove the government co-payment so that basically patients get their medicines completely at no charge. And, but this patient co-payment still needs to be paid. So they're actually bankrolling this and paying the government the, the $5 copay per medicine. Hmm. Um, wow. And if, if I was to do that, I'd basically be losing about $250,000, $300,000 off my bottom line for the first six months until those chronic disease patients stop paying after 20 items. Um, so which would just put me out of business. So pharmacy is really going through a really tough time, but you can't, you know, do a race to the bottom of the barrel. Instead, you have to take the high road and look at a service model that puts you at the other end where nobody wants to be without you. So that's, that's the way forward. And I think New Zealand pharmacy needs to start looking at other ways of, providing an income and also new directions in medicine. Things are changing all the time. Um, so it, it's something that uh, I'm passionate about and I'm determined to spread the word and find ways of helping other people get qualified. Well, I, I know that far in the U.S., pharmacists that have taken an integrative approach are thriving, yeah, I, I and I think that's I think that's brilliant. But it's helpful to have a qualification behind them. Yes, Lee, um, we've we've touched on our your program several times during the yes. discussion. I figured this would probably be a good time for you to tell people about um, GW's integrative medicine programs. Yeah, so Mark is uh, among our first cohorts of graduates of the integrative medicine programs, uh, for which we have the Master's of Science, as well as a graduate certificate, which is uh, only 15 credits now. So if you are a busy provider and can't do a whole master's degree, we have that. Um, and now we have one that's just really focusing on nutrition as well, because sometimes that's really more what people are looking for, is they, they really feel that that is where they're lacking. Um, but regardless of the track, and I, I hope that Mark has benefited from this, we really focus on communication with the patients, communication with providers, be them uh, friend or foe, as well as understanding research. So you can keep up with this ever-evolving field. As Mark has mentioned, medicine is always changing, and the only way to keep up with it is to really have that firm grounding in research. Um, so I hope that's serving you well, Mark. Oh, Absolutely. Um, I've always enjoyed communication, and I remember one of the first courses we did, we looked at the healing presence and the healing environment, and this actually went came back home to me during our lockdown period that we had last year, where many of my clients actually didn't want to have a Zoom meeting with me. They were quite happy to wait until hmm. things opened up again and were able to see me one-on-one. -on -one. And I was reminded exactly of that, that there is this something special of sitting, you know, a few feet away and being in the moment with someone and sharing aspects of care that cannot be provided through the internet screen. There's, there's just something about being in the presence of someone else that, that you don't get when uh, that you're in, an, in a different genre. 
So that and the and the ability to use reflective listening and to uh, find ways of understanding where the other person is coming from, looking at the difference between empathy and sympathy, all of those sorts of things has has been very very useful to augment my practice. So that sounds like a good tip right there for for conventional health professionals uh, on how to really dive in with their patients. Do you have any other tips you might want to throw out there? Absolutely. Most of my non-believer colleagues are still looking at this whole thing from a 50 years ago point of view. My medical practitioner colleagues will still be saying, all you need is a good diet. And I would say, if that were true, then why is all disease getting worse? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I mean, that's a cliche, but it's just never been true than it is today. I would also say that many people will say, where is the evidence? And often that's a rhetoric that I'll get from people who struggle to understand what it is that I do. And my retort is, there's plenty there, just go and look. Their expectation is that I'm to go and prove it to them. Hmm. But there's there's another truth that I share. I, I go and talk at schools about comparing Western scientific medicine with complementary alternative medicine. And at the end of the presentation, we come to the conclusion that it's just all medicine. But I start off by saying you need to understand that everything you say is the truth. Everything that I say is a lie. And then I'll say there's three groups of you in the room. There's one group going, yes, that's right. There's another group going, no, that's not true. And I would say you are both right. And then there's the majority of you who says, what the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> um, but, you know, until someone understands truth, until someone understands uh, that they can, they can look at something else and understand it and believe it, then as far as they're concerned, that thing is not true. Therefore, it's false. Therefore, it's a lie. And that viewpoint you can only do with education. But, you you know, there are two ways you can feed pigeons. You can sprinkle seed out and allow the pigeons that are hungry to come and feed, or you can throw the seed at every bird you see and watch them all fly away. <laughs> so, I, so I've found that sometimes you've just got to leave people where they are and uh, they will come to you out of frustration or because they finally realized that, though everyone else has moved on and they've been left behind. And then there's going to be some that are just locked in that model and there's nothing you can do about it. And the best thing you can do is wish them well and walk away. Right. It's all about the stages of change. Where are they in their stages of change? Absolutely. So it's all about the stages of change um, and as well as whether they are coming back to get education. And I will say that what we see in our program has me being very hopeful. Um, so the average age of the students in our master's program are in their 40s. So these are not like the the young generation that's more open-minded. These are people that are coming back, many of whom have been practicing for 20, 30, even 40 years in some cases, and realizing that what they've been doing, exactly what you're saying, isn't working. 
Mm. And they can either keep doing it and seeing it not work, or they can try something else. Uh, and they're coming back to figure out what exactly it is that they're missing. And in a lot of cases, the, I see a lot of aha moments. And I get to hear about how it's changed their practice and they're helping their patients in ways that they were never able to do before. So I guess it's coming and hopefully it will come to New Zealand as well. Uh, and if there's anything we can do to assist you with that, please do let us know. I've, I've been thrilled with the support that I've had uh, with my colleagues a number of which I've stayed in touch with after we finished the program and we've added a few uh, to our, our WhatsApp communication group that we have that are, some of them are still in the program. Um, and I'm, I'm just thrilled also with the support that um, you guys provide with these podcasts and um, the other uh, emails that we receive on, you know, various information uh, podcasts that we'll, that we'll be exposed to. I think that the important thing is that everyone just needs to keep talking and everyone needs to realize that uh, we've all got something to give, but sometimes people are not in the space to f try something new. They're, they're scared about something new, they're, they're unsure, but fear, of course, stands for false evidence appearing real. And we need to understand that sometimes uh, people are ready to hear the message quickly and some people need to be taken through it very, very slowly. Well, that sounds like a great place to end. Um, and it is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. It's a pleasure. Live well, stay well, everyone. You too, Mark. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.